0: The only thing you can do is work on yourself. There's no single person except for like my relationship with the universe, higher power, whatever you want to call it. That's going to make me feel like I belong here. It's the inner work that's going to make me feel like I belong here. It's the inner work that's going to make me feel like I'm going to go file that business license today.
1: Are you ready to be the change you want to see in the world? Are you ready to make choices that have a positive impact on your daily life, your community, and the planet? You are in the right place. I'm Anne-Therese Generi. And I'm Robin Shaw. And this is the Hey Change Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Cupid and Psyche Beauty. Every purchase we make is a decision about the kind of world we want to live in. I'm a big fan of Cupid and Psyche's ethical and environmentally conscious line of trend-setting lipsticks and nail lacquers created by fashion photographer Tracy Toller phillips Leaping Bunny approved, vegan, and cruelty-free, Cupid and Psyche offers a gorgeous range of buildable lip colors that are also paraben-free and made with nourishing organic ingredients. Their nail lacquer is made without the top 10 most toxic ingredients found in most polishes and instead infused with marula oil to protect and nourish your nails cupid and psyche donates a percentage of all profits to save the bees and help our animal friends check the show notes or go to cupidandpsychebeauty.com and help create a world where no animal has to suffer in order for you to shine
2: val Emanuel is a sustainability advocate animal activist, mother, model, and entrepreneur, and my co-founder in the world's first ethical modeling agency, Role Models Management. It's hard to describe Val with just a few words, and I almost wish everyone would have a chance to meet her one day, because she's just a woman like no one else. I adore and respect her to death, and she continues to amaze me with her big heart, rich experiences, deep wisdom, and no bullshit attitude. In this episode, Val shares how growing up in an immigrant family shaped her views on sustainable living, and how she practices a sustainable lifestyle, not because it's trendy, but because it's the only way she knows to be true. We also talked about how sobriety led her to self-discovery, and how doing the inner work is what makes you feel like you belong, and can be a powerful force in this world. Get ready to be inspired. This is the one and only Val Emmanuel.
3: Hi, Val. Welcome to Hate Change Podcast. Welcome back to Hate Change Podcast. How are you?
0: It's been like, what, four years? I know. Since I was on.
3: Our first interview took place at the floor in your Malibu house. Um, That was a different time, but lots has happened since then.
0: Yeah, definitely. We were on Aunt Teresa's phone. It was the first time we actually physically met after we started our business because we started our business over email, never having met each other. And then she was like, can you be on my podcast that I'm starting? And I said, sure. And I don't even remember what we talked about, but it'd be interesting to listen to it and like the archive of our business. You probably should. It was something about modeling and we're going to
3: talk more about that today, but I hope that we've gained some knowledge and kind of wisdom over the years. So hopefully it's going to be an even more insightful conversation. Um, But we wanted to just kind of start to share with the audience what got you started with scouting for modeling and like where did your journey to modeling start? And like, when did that transition into becoming more of like the modeling scout side?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of model scouts usually start as models. So, you know, you just realize that you run into not just beautiful people all day, but skilled people, people with amazing personalities. Like I am from Venice Beach, as you can see Val from Venice. Um, And I would see these kids are skateboarders and surfers. And I just thought I'm always on set. And, you know, they're looking for these kids and they're kind of hard to find. So I might as well start getting their information. And um, I was with Ford and I was with Wilhelmina. I started modeling when I was two years old. And so I just would email my agents, um, these amazing people that I would find and not even realize that that was a job and I could be getting paid for it. So I started to develop models and like charge a fee from their first three jobs. And I realized that like that wasn't going very well because people didn't want to have contracts with me. I was like 22 years old, you know, and I was like, you need to pay me um and didn't really know much about being an entrepreneur and so i started casting really i just had some really reliable friends and i thought um you know the models tend to be really unreliable and unprofessional at least the ones i've met so if i have an amazing group of girls why not make money off of them and then influencer marketing marketing started and i started helping my friends film their youtube videos and short clips and i was like i'm a manager i just started calling myself what i wanted to be which I always suggest to people, when you want to do something, don't oversell yourself, but call yourself and say what you are. You know what I mean? Like, like oh, I might want to start a podcast. I'm proud Just say, I have a podcast. I'm a podcaster. I'm a YouTuber. I'm an influencer. Because it really helps to solidify it in yourself. So as soon as I started calling myself that, um, I think the opportunity started to come. And I started to really dig deep into, you know, production and casting. And then I started being like, I want to work at an agency. I want to start an agency. And that's so, where our story starts. Let's just backtrack a little bit, because I feel like most people don't understand that
3: you started modeling when you were two, which
0: mm-hmm. is very young. I was going to um, ask, I was like, hold on, you said two,
3: like one, two?
0: Yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? She was a really pretty baby, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was a really funny looking baby. I was, But, you know, I was in a mall and I was walking around and this woman was just like, oh, we're having this, this fashion show for Gymboree. It was like in the mall. And the woman was actually a scout for Robert Black or someone. I don't remember, but I ended up doing the fashion show and they took pictures of me and then they wanted to use the pictures, um, you know, like in the stores and in displays. So then they recommended us to an agency because my mom's like, I don't know any of this stuff. And then from there, I think just growing up in Los Angeles, I ended up doing this TV show called Reading Rainbow. I ended up doing Kids Say Darnest Thing. I ended up doing like a corn chips campaign, but I really didn't like it. Like I liked being on set and the people, but I don't know. I felt like kind of othered by being in front of the camera and then kids would be like, Oh, you think you're so cool? Cause you're on the corn chips bag. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I was like embarrassed by it, but I, I really did know from an early age that I wanted to work on the other side of the camera. I loved how powerful those people looked. And that's something, you know, we've talked about a lot. It's like the power that these directors and creative directors and, producers have. And, um, I, I wanted that power to be honest. So I just kind of stuck with it, knowing that I was not always going to be the face, but on the other side.
1: Oh yeah. And so what was going on for you when you
0: decided to start your own agency? What was going on for me? I felt like I didn't have that much. That was mine at that point. You know, really, I, I, I was always entrepreneurial. I was always a self-starter, but I'd become a new mom. And I, you know, wanted to work and I had a lot of pushback from her dad about like what I should do and what made sense as a mom. And like, I don't want you going back into the work field. That's a whole different story. Um, But I was just like, I can't have anybody tell me what to do. I just want to do my own thing. Really. That's where it came from. I thought if I do my own thing, I can make everyone proud. I don't have to go back into corporate and work 50 hours and let everybody down and never see my kid again. Although you do work 50 70, 90 hours a week when you own your own business. Uh, But that was really it. I wanted to be able to not have it all, but be able to be present for her really. And I also knew that if I went into working to a traditional agency or like all the problems that I had when I was a model, I would now experience those with the people. Like I'd be sitting in those rooms. So I thought it's better to start my own thing because I don't like the ethos of like most corporate, casting or production agencies. And so like you
1: had that thought to have an ethical agency like that, that was coming up for you to do it differently,
0: distinctly differently than how it's been done so far. Yeah, definitely. I, a lot of my friends too, they didn't want to be with agencies anymore because they're like, I don't get paid for six months. I'm just going to do it on my own. Now social media clients are reaching out to me. Like why should I be with an agency? And a lot of models ask that question. And really I think it's for legal protections but at the time, I was like, "Yeah, why should you? Just choose me." <laughs> like, I, I'm honest with you. I'm I'm super easy and open about money, and you know, it's easier to work with someone who's a friend who you actually trust than somebody who, you know, would would tell you a dollar amount that's not even real or not pay you. It just didn't seem fair. I was like, "Yeah, it makes sense that you don't want to be with an agency."
1: And I'll just say for listeners who aren't as familiar with the modeling world, um, it can be very intimidating to go into your agency as a model, just your relationship, the power dynamic between agents and models. It's this very strange dynamic because on the one hand, agents don't get paid a whole lot from my understanding, whereas models, you know, can make quite good money. But on the other hand, there's so much insecurity and going into the agency. I know so many girls who would be like stressing just to go and have a conversation with their agent, getting full hair and makeup done, like really like prepping themselves up to be the best version of themselves when they walk in so that they're always reminding their agent how great and perfect they are and that they should always, you know, book them and think of them. So to have an agency where you feel this sense of community is really amazing. And I know it for anyone also for anyone who doesn't know, I am a, a model with you guys. So I'm really grateful to have this friendship that has developed. Um, it's really, it's really incredible.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think it's more of a come as you are mindset than a hierarchy. Like you said, Robin, like people getting scared to come in and ask their agent about money that they actually earned. That's the reason I wanted to start it. I was like, I don't want to have those conversations where you're scared about anything. That's, I mean, we're not going to be able to make the most money that way if we can't even talk.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of like power with versus power for, or Mm -hmm. sorry, power, power with and for versus power over. That's what it Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's so many dynamics in the workforce that are power over. And when leaders can realize that they have power with, what an incredible gift that is for everyone involved. So yeah, I definitely feel that with you guys. So or ladies, I'm very grateful for that.
3: In knowing you, I've realized you are the queen of sustainability, but probably from a different lens than most people. You're not the kind of like, sustainable influencer, you would Google and find and like, Oh, here's like my to kid and all this stuff I'm doing you just at the core always have been sustainable. So can you just share with the listeners how you view sustainability and like what that shows up
0: like in your life? Yeah, you know what, how I started being sustainable, really, it was the only option I had, I grew up probably far below the poverty line, you know, both my parents were immigrants. And so It was basically like they hated the American lifestyle when they came to this country. My mom's from Panama and my dad's from Antigua and it was very much like, what is single use plastic? We save everything and everybody takes a shower together and we don't need to buy extra. Everything was hand-me-downs. You always bought your own lunch. You know what I mean? I think that's like a lot of uh, maybe lower income or even immigrants or people of color, non-American people. That's just the way we think. And my mom also had a lot of issues with um, where I grew up, where I live right now, like in Playa del Rey, they were developing all of this really beautiful land, right? The wetlands. And they were building these awful apartment buildings. And so we started protesting. Just because my mom was like, this is where my kids play. It wasn't about conservation for her. It was just like, there's not that much open land. And she comes from a place with beautiful beaches and rainforests. And um, we cost that company millions of dollars by standing there and not having them build. Like we ditched elementary school and there was like 30 of us with our signs. And I did not realize that I was being an activist, you know. The early like, Greta. <laughs> exactly, early Greta and my mom. Um, I don't know, just planting plants and saving animals. And she's also a foster mom. Some of my siblings are adopted. And so she just was very much in action. She feels like there is no other choice. And my mom's like very fiery Latino woman. If she sees somebody throwing trash out their window, she'll pick it up and throw it in their face. She just like, this is the only place we have to live. You know what I mean? So maybe it came from a little bit of a righteous side, my sustainability, but I, you know, it's, it's the only way I know how to live. So how, what does a day look like for you? If you were to think of it through the lens of sustainability
3: from the time you wake up and like how you get dressed and what you like, just kind of like take the listener through a day of Val Emmanuel's life.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, I wake up at like 4 35 AM and I really do start with like reading meditation, um, reading the Bible devotional, sending inspirational things to people. And, um, I make all of my own meals at home for me. That's the most sustainable way to do it. I try to, before COVID, I felt like I was so low waste on my packaging, but it's so hard now. They make you put your fruits and vegetables in the bags and it sucks. Um, But yeah, I really just try to buy everything that I can secondhand. Um, I don't have an Amazon account, which shocks people, but I just don't like ordering things and seeing waste. So I'm still somebody who goes into stores. I love talking to people. So maybe that's the reason. Um, I've been, you know, vegan plant based since I was in uh, ninth grade. So since I was like 13 years old, I just turned 30. Wow, and that was just well. I had like two years where I was I did the keto thing. I had someone convince me that was like the worst years of my life. I was so miserable. You guys, I need carbs. (laughs) I need carbs. But I just I do what feels best to me when I really think about what my values and truths align with, right? So for me, that's shopping secondhand. That's not ordering tons of things I don't need online. I mean, even with my makeup, I just really I think the most sustainable ways to keep things minimal. I don't bring a lot in. My mom never was a person to shop and have tons of boxes and like storage in a garage filled with stuff. It just, to me, feels um, this is very much like the American lifestyle, and I'm just not into that. Um, I wear things until the wheels fall off. You know what I mean? I I save all of my leftovers, and that's to me something that's really simple. I don't have to go and replace all of my glass jars. I don't have to shop at some special store, although I love these sustainable stores. I just do what's the most simple way, which is usually sustainable.
1: I love that so much. It's such a, I don't know, there's something about hearing you talk about like living that way that just, it makes so much sense. And it's so, it's such a breath of fresh air with, there's just so much pressure to have more, 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 and to just slow down. I mean, it's one of the first things I remember that when I started talking to Ann Teresa, you taught me, it was like slow down and yeah. that is like the first step to sustainability because uh, the pace that we're going at here in america it's it's and in canada where i am mean, it's it's tough um and it's spreading all over the world um val one of the things i wanted to ask you is you know being a female black entrepreneur in the u.s i would imagine that has some unique challenges can you talk about what that's been like for you
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I felt like I was raised with like not a lot of limiting beliefs as far as what I could do, but I did start to realize that I just didn't have as many opportunities as some other people had. I grew up, um, you know, in West LA, but we didn't live in the nicest part. And I had a lot of friends I went to school with and their friends were, their parents were producers and directors. And so if they wanted a job, like, hello, nepotism, they could just snap their finger and have a job. And I didn't have that. Um, I had to completely, you know, there's, there's hardly any like Latino people that are working on the other side of the camera. When I first was working, I I just remember specifically not seeing them. And then I would see some like black grips, you know what I mean? Never saw Asian people behind the camera. Um, East Indian, like East Asian, but no, not at all. And so I just thought, okay, I'm going to have to do this myself because nobody I know works in this industry. And so that really is it. I think it's, um, the contacts and just making sure that I'm putting myself in a position where I'm good enough to be at the table. I had a lot of imposter syndrome. I showed up in rooms and I just felt like, uh, I didn't grow up with these people, you know, like my parents don't own their home. Um, yeah, I go to school in this area, but like this other person's address, <laughs> is the reason I get to even be next to you guys. So there was a lot of imposter syndrome that I really had to get over by, I mean, taking etiquette lessons, um, watching videos on how to be like a high value woman really changing the way I dress just to be more simple so that I didn't feel like I didn't fit in. So I did do things to change myself, not so much on the outside, but just feeling more comfortable um being in rooms that I wasn't invited in you know like I've had to push my way in okay well I'm gonna have to learn how to I'm gonna travel I was like I took out a loan in college I was like I'm gonna go live in Paris because I need to have these experiences to be able to be in these rooms that's amazing do you ever feel like and I like
3: obviously the answer is probably yes but do you feel like you have been having to like go the extra mile where probably someone who's white didn't have to, or, you know, do you feel like because you have a daughter, what would you tell her after going through having learned everything you've learned and now running a business and seeing the world shifting, but maybe not fast enough? Like, what are things you want to teach her to be as fearful as you,
0: but even more like making sure that the world she grows up in is more equal? Well, she's going to have way more examples. And so that's, that's the goal, you know, is really to not be quiet about my mission, not be quiet about my work. I mean, I don't like to boast about everything that I do, but I do realize that when I share it inspires the next person that they can do it. I've had so many girls reach out to me and be like, I want to, I want to be an agent. How do I do it on LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever? And of course people reaching out about being a model, but also, you know, like I want to, I want to film some videos. Like, what do you suggest is the best camera? Like they just when I post our clients work and they are inspired by that. So um, I think more people just need to be outspoken and give opportunities. Like me and Anne-Therese, we've held, um, I think maybe six internship programs at this time. And so for me, passing on everything that I was so freely given, I realized also that like um, maybe being an attractive woman or a woman who looks this way, I was given a lot of opportunities because of the way I looked. I was able to be in these rooms and people invited me places and people gave me their contacts. And so uh, there is responsibility with that.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's um, it's such an interesting thing to have certain doors open when you're in the, at least, you know, the experience of being a model and in the fashion industry, having these certain doors open. But then I love what you said about it's a responsibility. Um, there's some saying that I heard recently that's been playing in my mind of in terms of, you know, it can be applied to. You know, white supremacy. It can be applied to the climate crisis, um, and that's that. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. I made a video, and that was my title of my video on Instagram. Oh, really? Not, it's not my fault, but it's my responsibility. I was talking about healing from you know an abusive relationship, and it doesn't matter what's happened to you. The only thing you can do is work on yourself. Like I, I had this realization this week, you guys. I was like praying, and I was like no one is going to validate my experience you know what i mean there's no one there's no single person except for like my relationship with the universe higher power whatever you want to call it that's going to make me feel like i belong here it's the inner work that's going to make me feel like i belong here it's the inner work that's going to make me feel like i'm going to go file that business um business license today you know there's no person is going to give me enough confidence to go and do the things that I have accomplished. I was on the phone with someone this week and they were asking about my production history because um, these clients wanna, might want to help, you know, do some production with us. And I was telling them what I did. And I was like, I, I did those things. I have to, to own them, you know, and, and also feel good about them. I know
3: you and I know that you've gone through a lot of healing this past year and I'm so proud of you and that's also why you, you now wake up and the first thing is like I used to get emails from Val like 5 a.m. her time and now it might be like more closer to 6.37 because she's taking <laughs> some time to actually like heal ourselves first. So I'm so grateful and so happy for you. Um, but what would you say because the video you just made, it was really powerful and so beautiful and it was very raw and open and vulnerable. What do you want to tell especially women who might be in this position like what does it mean and what are some practices that you're doing to own your story uh, and to take responsibility for everything that has happened to you and everything that you will be doing from like you know moving forward
0: yeah i think the number one thing women do is we don't live up to our full potential because like i said we're looking for someone else to validate us we're looking for you know your partner or your mother or your father or just society to tell you you're good enough to go and do what you want to do. And, you know, for a long time, I was in a relationship where somebody, um, you know, put me on a pedestal in front of people because I do have accomplishments, but in private was completely trying to just, you know, devalue me, undermine my confidence. You're not doing it right. You should be doing this. You can't do that. Um, you know, my, it's my way of the highway. You're on my schedule. And for a long time, I just thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to grow and be with a person who is not allowing me to grow. And I knew that, um, you know, I was being manipulated into thinking that I just wasn't good enough, but I knew in my heart that I was good enough because I had done some prior work, you know, like I've been sober for 12 years. And so when I first got sober and went through the whole recovery program, I learned a lot about myself. So it was kind of coming back to that feeling of like having lost everything And it's even harder now, like when you actually have some stuff, I've lived in Malibu, I've lived all over the world, I have a business, we made hundreds of thousands of dollars, whatever, and so it's harder to be like, yo, but I'm at a new bottom, an emotional, spiritual bottom. And so for a lot of women, especially after this year, getting out of relationships, losing jobs, having relationships with your friends change, find out who your real friends are, who really showed up for you. Um, It's really hard to now go, okay, well, who am I despite what these people say? And so practice that I've been doing lately is like, I got deep back into therapy. I wanted to go to therapy for a very long time. And, you know, I was with someone who was abusive. So they manipulated me into not going to therapy. Like I went and they were like, it's bullshit. And they're like, totally therapist is bullshit. And the worst lie I've ever been told. Therapists are amazing. You just have to find the right one, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I really started doing that. And then I, a few years ago, one of our models actually, she was dating a football player and he was, you know, he was like, went to church every week. And she's like, that's so funny. I'm just going to like read the Bible because he's reading it. I want to be with him. And I was like, that's funny. I'll do it with you too. And we had a total transformation of, you know, our personal faith. And so every single week, I mean, meeting up with other women and being completely vulnerable about relationships, friendships, work, money. And I hadn't had a group like that. And I also realized that I needed to surround myself with women who were, trying to do the things I was trying to do, like, following women like Robin, unfollowing, you know, girls who are not really showing that they have any purpose. Um, Because I'm not trying to judge them, but it just doesn't help me. I need to be with people who are posting about volunteer opportunities and starting their own businesses. And, you know, having sacred women circles, which I'm going to at 5pm, I need to see things like that. I need to be positively encouraged
1: definitely that that idea of that we're influenced by the five closest friends that we keep how that like really shapes our lives it's um it's so inspiring to hear about your story because I actually have um, I, I try not to say gave up alcohol because it feels like a loss but it's like mm-hmm. I have chosen sobriety um, this past summer of 2020 and I also just started therapy so I am on the path <laughs> yeah um and it it is it is an incredible journey i mean when so i guess one one more question i would have for you is it sounds like faith has become a really important part of your growth process and your rituals um how has that evolved that sounds really beautiful like it's it sounds like it's a source of strength is that true
0: yeah it's definitely a source of strength i didn't have any for a long time, I was answering to my own thoughts, right? And my thoughts were negative. I was getting negative stuff in and I was believing it. And the negative conversations just kept circulating around my head. It was like the, the shitty committee just on repeat. Um, and so I basically, when I started reading every single morning, so every morning when I wake up, I think I told you a little bit about my routine. But I wake up, I read, people send me devotionals and different writing prompts. And I start to write about what's going on in my head. And I also set a two-minute timer, some weeks, not every week, but I'll write my fears for just two minutes, however they come out. This person isn't going to help me. This person isn't doing this, blah, blah, blah. And then I write them out. And then I write what's real on the other side, you know? Mm Because a lot of times the fear is like, I'm not going to have any money. And the fact of the matter is like, it's February fifth and the rent is paid and all my bills are paid, you know, but the the shitty committee won't tell you that. And so really getting connected with my faith and, and having, you know, a Bible study and also book study with my friends every single Tuesday, where we talk openly about these crazy thoughts that we have, because we're human and we all have them. I could not imagine living the way I was a few years ago, where new mom, not sleeping, new business, um, you know, a manip- manipulative partner and just not sharing any of this. So it's been pivotal. And I can't ever imagine, you know, living a life where I am just stuck in my head ever again, it, it was not fun. I was still able to function because I feel like I've been blessed with being a super positive and self starting person, but I cannot uh, live without support ever again. I think that's so powerful because
3: I feel like it's. I mean, I talk about this a lot about choosing our stories and empower ourselves with the right words. And it's so easy, I think, to feel like, to, especially now when we're all stuck at home and we just look through our Instagram or whatever social media we have, and we see all these other people doing great stuff, and we keep forgetting that we don't have no idea what's going on behind the curtains. And someone might look at you and be like, well, she's this powerful businesswoman. She has her own business and she's doing this and that. And she's beautiful and had no idea, you know chitty committee, whatever going on in your head, like, what are you telling yourself? And I think something too, that I really have been so focused on lately is this idea of self-healing and how important that is, especially in the work that we're trying to do in terms of like, you know, the business world, but also quote unquote, changing the world. Like if you want to install some bigger change in the world, we have to start with ourselves. And I think it's so easy to forget that. Uh, and I think you and I both, when we started the agency, we were like, this is, you know, everything is, this is the most important thing and sleep can't wait and we can work, you know, three weekends. And, you know, there's been times when I was like almost losing service because I was going hiking with my husband and Val is calling me like, where are you? And I'm like, it's a Saturday, <laughs> you know? It's, so we've definitely been there for many years. And I think we're starting to land in the more healthy environments, both professionally, but also personally. Um, what would you say to someone who, because I get this question a lot, actually, like people are like, okay, I want to work for the environment. I want to do something different. Like I want to dedicate my time and my life, you know, in doing things that I believe in, but it's so hard because I just got out of school and now this and that, and, you know, I have this work. And what would you say to someone from your experience, starting a business, you know, having the courage to go for it. um, And also, kind of like weaving in this whole idea of self-help and and setting boundaries and all that stuff. Like what what's like the snippet of advice you would give to someone who wants to start
0: living his or her dream? That's a lot. <laughs> First of all, I would say get a mentor, right? I mentor and sponsor a few women and I have multiple mentors. I don't understand how you can do this thing, right? Have a business, self-reflect, use everything you've been given on the inside to heal unless you're reflecting with someone else. And so I realized when I was at my worst, yes, I had these people around me, but I wasn't even using them. So I mean, people don't mind getting a phone call. And sometimes you might have to call five people before you're like, Hey, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to file this paper. I don't know what the next step to take is like, what should I change my social media to? How should I be sharing all these things that I love and that I'm learning? is by really reflecting with people who are doing what you want to do. So I tell people LinkedIn premium is the shit. Okay. <laughs> Get LinkedIn premium and connect with women. Cause you'd be so surprised. Like me and Ann last year, I like, I really love Kathy Ireland. I heard this podcast interview she did and I immediately added everyone on her team and what happened now we're like working with her company regularly and getting to work with amazing women who have, you know, been running her billion dollar empire. And there's no way that wouldn't have happened if I would not have had the courage to reach out. And I also found someone who was walking the way I wanted to walk, had the life that I wanted to live, I mean, had a family and husband, was like living in faith, everything. So I just said, Okay, this is this is part of me being a self starter. Also, I know, it's not that easy for everyone. But once I started to um, work on myself a little bit, I guess, on the outside, I was able to start working on myself, on the inside, because I did have to feel comfortable, you know, getting my LinkedIn looking the way I want it to look, getting my social media to look good. And then okay, I'm ready to reach out to these high value women that I want to be a part of their lives.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, that I mean that makes so much sense. I like made a, a note to myself, like get a mentor. <laughs> because it's hard. I mean, sometimes I feel like I definitely get stuck in my own head or like different limiting beliefs come into play. And I know that, you know, like journaling and having a therapist and certain kind of internal work can, can really help to get you out of um, a negative place. When, when you've had times of darkness, of feeling you know, kind of at your lowest, um, you mentioned like reaching out to people, is that your go-to or, or what do you do to bring like that first step of you know, what, what we're doing in terms of like optimism and action, like what is your first action when you're kind of feeling quite low?
0: My first step is going to someone else now, always. And sometimes if I'm feeling really upset or angry with someone, I write these draft letters. And a few months ago, I'm not gonna lie, those draft letters were actual texts. I was just mad at people. And I was sending them texts that I was mad at them. And guess what, it was not helping. So now I write down all of my negative ideas, all the bad thoughts that go through my head. And then when I get someone who's comfortable to share these things with, I share them with them. So I'm not just thinking about these things, because sometimes I think I would let the negative thoughts about um, money, relationships, my family come up, and then they would go away and I would forget about them, but they would still be there. And so now when I write them down and I talk to either my life coach, my therapist, my sponsor, my friends um, about these things, it's like, I've, I know that I'm doing a personal inventory like every single week. I'm not just calling people. and being like, oh, how's your day? And having them just talk to me so I can forget about my problem. Because I do that. I'd be like, hey, tell me about your stuff so I forget about my problems. And I can't afford that anymore, you know, so um, I definitely I write down specifically my most pressing thoughts, and my most repetitive thoughts. That's, that's something that um, that I learned your most repetitive thoughts, write those down, and write down every single way that they come in, write down the actual dialogue that are in your head that you want to say to this person, whatever. And that's been very helpful. So it sounds like it's about like getting it out.
1: Cause like our heads, our minds can be so messy. So yeah. just to get it out to process it.
0: Get it out it. to process it. I have so much other stuff I have to deal with you guys. Like I got to cut checks. We got to do castings. We got to do all, I can't have that stuff in my head. It really does diminish everything else that I'm doing. And so in order for me to be able to have a clear head and, and work and like, you know, bring in the turkey bacon or vegan bacon, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta get that stuff out. <laughs> Plus you have a daughter, you know, who needs you and you want
3: to be present. And I think it's, yeah, it's so easy to let all those things take over. And I too have been like journaling a lot this past year and it is, it's powerful. You know, we're not just saying this, like everyone's like, Hey, journal, like you, you might feel at first, like, okay, I'll journal, whatever. But like, it's something so powerful. We're just putting it down on paper and like I think you guys have both done this too, but like sometimes you need to like literally go and burn it up too. And it's like, yes, wow, wow I'm feeling the juju leaving me now. You know, it's like I'm seeing it going down into flames, and it's kind of kind of witchy, but also really powerful. So it helps.
0: You know?
3: mm-hmm. Well, this has been so fun. I feel like we can continue talking about multiple different topics for hours, um, but we need to let you go. So are you ready for a like fire rapid fire
0: session? So ready. Short answers. I'll I'll promise that. okay
1: Okay. awesome okay so number one fill in the blank I believe in a positive future because
0: because it's happening right now
1: yes love that morning bird or night owl
0: ah morning bird for sure (laughs) I think I'm the only one that we ever talk to that I'm like such a night owl
1: (laughs) okay sounds like productive people get up really early noted um favorite quote
0: oh my gosh Um, the problem cannot be fixed from the same level of consciousness that created it. Can you say that one more time? The problem cannot be fixed with the same level of consciousness that created it. We got to step back. We got to step back and and solve the problem with our new self, you know? Wow. That is very powerful. Um, number four would be a book that really stuck with you. Oh, getting love right and if you guys want this book dm me on instagram at malibu mama underscore underscore because it is the best relationship book you will ever read i actually have a whole pdf you know tons of books but that's a good one about relationships with everyone in your life amazing
2: getting love right
0: mm-hmm. um a mantra or uh, a mantra or phrase
1: that you repeat to yourself
0: uh every day in every way i'm better and better by god's grace We learned this one in our, um,
3: our, just, uh, our vision for the world party. And I've been saying it to myself every morning and it's it really gets me out of bed. It's so amazing. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
3: Okay. Number six, if you could
0: instill one change in the world right now, what would that be? Ah, no more plastic shipping, no more plastic and shipping right now today. (laughs) Amen. That would be wonderful. What is something you're letting go of? My shadow self. The self that had to, you know, protect me when I was a kid and had to protect me when I was in situations I didn't want to be in. Letting go of all of those things that that person did. What is something you're inviting more of? Peace. More peace. What is the message that you want people to hear? The only person that you have to worry about today is no one because you don't have to worry. All you have to do is stay in the now as best as possible. If you stay in the now, it can be taken care of. I truly believe that. Yeah, I,
3: I'm really trying to practice that too. It's so powerful. Um, okay, final question.
0: What does being an optimist in action mean to you? That means collaborating with other like-minded people to change the world and get done the things that I don't see other people doing.
2: Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Hate Change podcast. If you'd like to support the show, please share this episode with friends, family, or someone in your network. Also, don't forget to give it five
1: stars in the app so that we can reach more listeners just like you. We love hearing from our listeners, so please tag us when you share this episode on social media. We'd love to connect with you and learn about what you are doing too. You can find where to reach us in the show notes. Before you go, we'd like to invite you to pause and to leave you with this one final question.
2: What does being an optimist in action mean to you?